Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Wow, week two. Thank you very much for having us. This is um, exciting to be here. It's been, this morning we've had to change our plans a little bit because initially we were going to do our entire story through um, interpretive dance and flags, but the roof's too low here, so we've had, to, we've had to quickly whip something up instead. So hopefully pictures will suffice instead. No, it's really good to be here. Uh, it's uh, been a surreal week and a half or so. Um, last week we came in. Uh, Sunday morning and we saw, we met Kat and John and they were like, it's, it's our first week here. And I was like, us too. <laughs> like, they like, kept asking all these questions. I was like, I got no idea. Like, I don't know where anything is or, or what, um, what we're supposed to be doing or anything like this, but it's, it's been a cool uh, eight, seven days. So thank you very much. We're very grateful for welcoming us and it already feels a little bit like family here, which is awesome. What we're also aware of, Zoe and myself, is it's quite a vulnerable thing, firstly, for us to be up here and sharing with you guys, but like, for you guys to actually invite uh, myself and Zoe in, uh, well, as in a pastoral role. Like, it's a really vulnerable thing, because there's risks involved. Are, they, like, are we going to be weird? Are we crazy? Are we like, all that kind of stuff? Like, is there going to be some weird theological stuff? Uh, and same for us. Like, are you guys going to be weird? Uh, like, are you guys going to be crazy? So I think for... Um, to, yeah, to, yeah, to answer your question, yes, we are weird and crazy, but like also you guys are as well. So I think, I think it's going to work. I think it's a good fit. Um, with that said, I think it's important today that we just share a little bit of our background, our whanau, our, our stories individually, and then a little bit about how we as a couple came to this place here, just to give you some context. So there may be some theological pearlers in there, or maybe the Holy Spirit does a miracle and speaks something to your heart through what we share. Um, but the, the goal for today is just for, us to, for you to get to know us a little bit and for us to get to know you. And Jesus moves, obviously, as every church service is about that. So Lord willing, we'll do that. And then we're really excited to share communion with you afterwards. So should we get into it? Perfect. Well, family, let's start. Uh, yeah, this has been hard as well to prep though as well because it's like, can you summarize your life story? And uh, 10 minutes each is hard. So it's a little bit like a... Um, like going into a library and picking out a book or two. Uh, or in other words, like this morning for us, is like our LinkedIn profiles or Instagram. Like it's just the highlight reel. So you'll get to know the other stuff a bit later on. But I thought we'd start with Fano because everyone here is a product of their context and where they come from. So for you guys to understand us, it's important to know who we come from and, and where we come from as families. Who's up first? Our Fano. So this is... This is a picture of uh, me and my family. My brother Lucas was taking the photo. I chose that one because I'm in the middle center of attention and it's adorable. Um, <laughs> I've finally lived uh, long enough to have a fashion cycle go around. So this is early 90s, which is actually coincidentally in at the moment. So if only we'd kept all those clothes, it would be a squeeze, but like, it would have been really fancy to go through. So this is us growing up. So this is at mine and Zoe's wedding just a little while ago. Uh, that's obviously Zoe and myself in the middle. I'm wearing the fancy suit. She's wearing the white dress. Um, in the burnt sienna, 
dress. That's Nancy. That's my mum. That's Nancy Ward. To the, to the left of me is Alan. That's my dad. Then my brothers. I'm the youngest of four boys. So my oldest brother, uh, Lucas, he lives up in Whangarei with his wife, Catherine. He's got an accounting background and they've got three little kids. And then on the far right is David. He is a teacher, a primary teacher. He lives in, where does he teach? He actually might teach in Forest Hill. I can't remember. He has, a, he, he has in the past, but he lives with his wife, Dalwyn, uh, in Stanmore Bay near us, and they've got two cute little boys. And then Tony, um, second from the right, he's living in Vancouver, actually. So he's an animator. So if you've ever seen Hotel Transylvania 3 or any of those movies, he's done work in that. So he was just in Montreal, hated the cold, so he moved back to Vancouver, or Raincouver, as he calls it. But he's been gone for about five years or so. But that's, um, yeah, I'm the youngest. I'm the baby of the family. I was four years behind. We found out a couple months ago that I was an accident. Um, <laughs> Like, which I, yeah, I still don't know what to make of, like, uh, but typically, because I'm a youngest child, I don't feel, like, too much responsibility like the oldest do, but also I don't feel misunderstood and unseen like the middle kids, so, um, so that's me, that's my family, so it's, it's cool, I, I love them, um, we all live a little spread away, but uh, we're all, yeah, we grew up on the coast and all that kind of stuff, it was great getting to know, uh, great knowing them, and we've all shaped each other a little bit, but yeah, four boys. It's fun. Vic, you're four boys, aren't you? Oh, wow. What are the chances? That, that's my whānau there, and Zoe will just introduce. That. Is this working? Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, so um, I, I actually have a, I, I sort of figured out, now that my friends are all starting to have babies, that um, there are more accidents in the world than I thought, <laughs> and so I've sort of had this little, um, what would you call it? No accidents kind to God. No Christ. accidents just, to God. Surprises, yeah. wonderful things. Yeah. And I've had this little hobby recently of just sort of trying to pick out of my friends and people, you know, there's sort of a <laughs> weird gap here or this is so pointing it out. And I didn't really think of the um, emotional trauma it can cause people to point out. Perhaps you yeah. <laughs> weren't planned. Yeah. Um, but I've been doing that a bit recently. So anyway, this is my family. Um, wow, what a good looking bunch. Um, Mum and dad are here today. Um, but yeah, I'm one of five. Um, I'm number two, oldest of the girls, um, and yeah, what to say, mum is a, um, mum is principal of little school up in Snails Beach, um, dad um, has done all sorts of things um, from um, like being a missionary overseas and he's done sales and he's been quite involved recently in a lot of men's sort of pastoral care stuff, not necessarily inside of the church but just sort of men's groups, um, and then um, yeah, big brother Ben. Actually, let's switch to the next one. It's okay, like, okay, that's what they look like now. They're much. <laughs> this is who I think of. So yeah, my oldest brother Ben. He's um, uh, manages backpackers up in Pai here. Um, beautiful Beck on the right is an angel, and she's at the moment just current travelling around New Zealand. Don't know, Margarita, what's she doing? Finding herself or something? But she's worked at a girl could hope with Margarita as well. Um, Crazy Lucy, second one. She's um, crazy, and we love her, and she makes our family um, sparkle <laughs> and makes us all scared all the time. Um, and then Julia on the left is um, she's cute. She's studying psychology at the moment. So she's just joined us in the big wide world um, after finishing school last year. So that is my family. We love each other. We have a lot of fun together. And that's our biological family. But we've got a bit of a bigger family as well, a real village of uh, friends and, and mentors and elders in our life. This is some of our village here. This was our bridal party. Um, no joke, we had 12 aside. It was ridiculous. Uh, 
rule. Um, we're naturally fairly inclusive and indecisive, so we thought, why don't we have like, why don't we have all of them? So, yeah. So that was yeah. But for us, uh, we are part of a. We we do come from a village, right? It's the people around you who raise you. So we've had our parents, but we've had a lot of older people in our lives um, input into us, and then been shaped and formed by our friends. And I've always loved that idea that um, a church is a village, and it helps shape um, intergenerationally everyone. That we look around and take responsibility and pastoral care for everyone because that's what we've both been blessed with and are lucky to have. So that's a bit of a... It was ridiculous. It was far too much. Like, like in hindsight, like, we told, when we were planning on getting married, we tossed up... And usually, well, the eloping thing conversation always comes through after you start planning. You're like, this is hard work. Should we just run away? That was an option. But we fluctuated between like a 50-person wedding and then just decided 250 to 300. Like, it was... It was ridiculous, but that's a bit of like our fun, our, our family, and our background. Uh, in terms of myself, my story, uh, I started, um, what's the next picture? There we go. So my story is I grew up on the Hibiscus Coast and then um, went through Ottawa College, then afterwards was going to do architecture. Didn't get in because my portfolio was shocking. Um, and then in, on a whim, just um, applied for a Bachelor of Arts at Auckland University, um, which I think most people do if they don't know what they want to do, or it's a, or it's a gap year now. But I, I was going down the list, and there was, like, psychology, which I was like, that looks interesting, and then um, sociology, which I f- found looked interesting as well. And then somehow over the next three years, I fluctuated between, oh, maybe I should do law because it sounds a bit more impressive than saying I'm doing a Bachelor of Arts. And that didn't work out well. And then I was like, maybe I should go back to architecture. And I was like, I don't know. Then it was, should I do clinical? Who knows? I ended up with a Bachelor of Arts, and there I actually met John Francis and, and got connected with all the Francis boys in, in the Shaw Vineyard is 10 years ago and invasion at Rowena Centre and all that kind of stuff. So I know a bunch of people from this community from, from back in the day, so it, it does feel a lot like family coming, coming home. But um, after my psych degree, I worked out you don't really have much to do with the Bachelor of Arts. You need to do further study. So... Again, after that, I was like, I should go to architecture again. And I was like, nah, the job prospects aren't that good. So I decided instead to go to laid law and become a pastor instead. Again, not realizing the job prospects aren't that good there either. So, um, no, for me, it was like a really intentional time. Uh, growing up in youth group, um, I'm a Baptist boy, right? So I'm used to Easter camp. So I've been saved at each Easter camp every single night, right? Like, I can't, I can't work out which one was the proper one, like, but... Um, but within that as well, growing up in, in, in church, I always on one hand, like, there was something deep within me that resonated what was, with what was happening there. But also, I was so suspicious of some of the things that were being proclaimed from the front as, like, true. And I was just like, what's going on here? And for a while, when I was younger, I was just like, oh, everyone else seems to believe this is true, so it must be true, so I may as well believe it was true. Only then to later be like, but what if else, everyone else is thinking that everyone else thinks it's true? Like, I'm thinking it's true. And it's like, oh my goodness. So it, it was a stressful time um, in my life. But I, I think I've always had kind of like that, that I'm not going to say cynical. It can lead into cynicism, but I'd say critical or wanting to grow more or go deeper, actually unpack what's going on. So for me to go to Laidlaw, it, it was a real point, a fork in the road of, oh, is this worth anything or should I just give it up? And I was like, well, I'm going to give a year at least to really delve into this to see if this is actually fundamentally important to not just my life but all reality or if this is something to 
leave behind. And then three years later, I came up with a Bachelor of Theology at Laidlaw, and it was fascinating. Learned about contextualization and um, worldviews and spiritual formation. It was a really awesome time. And through that, got involved with more youth ministry, preaching, youth work at Ottawa College, worship leading, all that kind of stuff as well. So it was a real slow apprenticeship in towards pastoral work. Um, after that, for myself, though, uh, I still had a lot, of, uh, a lot of questions, a lot of wonderings, and a lot of nagging um, doubts in my brain. And I think I'd been saved at Easter camps, and I'd been saved at Sunday nights for years, you know? And, and from what? I'm not sure, but like definitely something. But I think my salvation moment, to put it like that, I've been thinking about this a lot, where I got converted um, to falling in love with God was actually sitting at this beach here. Um, this is in Whale Cove in Stanmore Bay. And I think it had been a particularly stressful, particularly stressful time uh, in ministry and in my week. And it's, it's weird to get up and speak and like, be saying words but not actually sure what you believe in those words or what's going to happen. And it's a really wrestle. So it was one of those moments. But at this beach here, I feel like I was really saved. Um, and what I mean by that is sitting there, I was looking across the bay and there's a road that comes down uh, past Waiwera down Hatfields Beach, and it was obviously dusk, so the lights were streaming down. And I realized, and it was almost in a moment that if I wasn't there, those lights would still be coming down. If I wasn't there, the waves would still be rolling in. If I wasn't there, the wind would still be going. If I wasn't there, like, but I thought this, I was like, if I'm not here, if I suddenly died, it's going to be sad, but in about six weeks, most people in my life will probably have moved on with their lives. I got saved in that moment from my sense of self-importance or being at the center of the world or being all that, and that's something I've so deeply held. What also it saved me from was being afraid of God in a bad way. Uh, in, in Proverbs, it says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom, right? And for me in that moment, I understood fear. I'm not sure if it's appropriate to the Hebrew scriptures. I think there's a scholar somewhere in here who actually knows Hebrew. But um, for me in that moment, fear of the Lord was awe and wonder and seeing God as God. And for me now, in light of that moment, I see wisdom as being a product of firstly not knowing and just standing in awe and humility. And for me, that was such a significant moment that made me not Worried, you know, I'd been worried. Am I going to get this wrong if I inquire, if I'm curious or whatever? I stopped worrying because I'm like, God's big enough and God far prefers to be discovered than defended, you know? So I really, that saved me in that moment there. And a quote I really love around that is by one of my favorite um, Danish existentialist philosophers. It's not a long list, but he's at the top. Um, it's Soren Kierkegaard. He says that life is not a problem to be solved, but a reality to be experienced. And for myself, I realized that I'd been seeing faith as a problem to be solved, or I'd been seeing God as a problem to be solved, or I'd been seeing people as a problem to be solved. Can't wait to fix them. Not that any of us do that, right? Um, or work as a problem to be solved. It's like, ah, oh, actually, no. Like, God far wants us to experience life and create with them rather than have a test in which we have to fill each line and get everything correct because we probably won't even if we try. So for myself, it's been a moment of coming to that and just discovering a boundless expanse of a universe in which God calls us to create with him, which I love, and to not be afraid. Because uh, in Scripture, when people fear God, the most common words afterwards are fear not, you know? So, 
And that's required a deep trust that God is good and God is weaving all things together for myself. And it's still scary sometimes, but I've also found a deep sense of peace in that, you know, and the courage to actually see reality as it seems to be rather than in a defensive posture. So I think for myself when I was thinking, what makes me mad, glad, and sad, you know? I think what makes me mad is when we give gold coin answers to million-dollar questions, you know? I, I think um, it stifles uh, curiosity, and it leaves, leaves you at a very superficial level. So I've always wondered, it's like, ah, oh, that's an important question. Like, it's not actually that simple. It's not actually, there's so much more to be delved into. What makes me sad is um, when I've been, or when I've seen friends, or not friends, live in such a small worldview. And what I mean by that is, um, you can tell the size of someone's worldview by what they complain about. Um, and usually, if it's a small worldview, it's usually complaining about um, how they've been offended by what this person did, this person did. And it's like, ah, the world's so much bigger than that. And within that, what makes me glad is when people's view of reality, of God, of themselves, of what's possible, just grows and expands to new levels. So I think through that whole journey for myself, I just get really excited by this idea that when we try and discover God, when we follow Jesus, he brings a freedom from our smallness and invites us into a fullness of reality, which in fullness doesn't mean happiness. Fullness means the whole depth of human emotion, the good and the bad. And, and I think it's Carl Jung who says, I would rather be whole than good. You know? That sense, I'd rather be integrated as a human, and that's probably getting more on the psychology side. But that's a bit of my journey, and it's still going. So who knows? In two years, it's probably going to be different a little bit, but I've really loved that expanse of discovering a God who's bigger than anyone ever told me, <laughs> you know? And I think we all need to fall into that realization because nobody can ever tell you. Nobody can ever tell you that stuff. So that's what I really love. Um, oh, I, I, I won't take too long with this, but um, I'll just give, like, for me, a little bit of, of my background of faith, I guess, as well as... Um, for me, um, just want, just put a picture of of our home because that for me has been that's where I've been. Um, we sort of I guess have a little bit of a family homestead where I was um, raised, and so that that for me, when when we were young, we didn't really go to church. Um, we were very much Christian, but it was it was just a, a space I don't know where we just were discovering God together. Um, for my childhood, that's just what I remember. Is just Jesus is a part of the ongoing question of, of who we were growing up, and um, and our whole neighbourhood was just a part of that. Um, we just um, we would just pick up the kids, you know, around. We had the biggest front lawn, so that's just where they all ended up. And, and we we were all sort of on a journey of like, what does it mean to love the people around us, um, really? And yeah, I I just I love that so so much. I remember. Um, going overseas to third world country when I was young and someone saying to me, um, oh, are you guys going on a missions trip? I, go, I don't know, I have to ask my mum. And <laughs> mum's like, well, you can call it a missions trip or you cannot call it a missions trip, but it doesn't change, you know, from being in one country to another, from being in our front lawn to being elsewhere. You know, we don't change how we live. We just, we embrace people we love, you know, and we follow Jesus in the way we live. And I, I have really... Um, appreciated that really holistic view that it's not in a church, it's not in a particular person, but we can all choose to um, be led by Jesus um, and find that inside of ourselves to love people around us. Um, so that's very much how I was raised. And um, and I guess getting a bit older, when I was sort of late teens, I went through a bit of a phase of this sort of, I think a lot of people go through this, this sort of like tight 
clasped hands of, um, I really need to get this right and I really want to um, be as faithful as I can. Or, and people do this in totally different ways. Some people would go way down this way and I sort of went way down the other way of just like, how can I really get Jesus to love me? How can I really be the very best Christian that I could be? How can I? And, um, and I ended up in a, in a, a very um, conservative, lovely church um, that had hour-long sermons and it was just how I liked it. <laughs> we did Bible studies and it was, you know, and I felt really great about myself for a little while there. And I found um, through that experience, as I became more and more faithful, my, my, um, I just sort of found that I, I also sort of grew in resentment of people around me, that it was harder to um, coexist, you know, with people that didn't... Um, you know, see things as I saw them that didn't weren't as faithful as I was or as righteous. You know, that kind of energy started to really um, creep in. And, and I remember sitting um, in the church one day and um, and for whatever reason, they, just, they decided they were going to critique some um, some false prophets, some people who <laughs> who were not quite aligned with um, with the particular church's views. And they read out a quote of, of someone that I now really respect, Brian McLaren. And I remember it, and the guy just said, oh, it's just it's such rubbish that these guys are, are putting out there. It's so dangerous. They should be shot. <laughs> <laughs> and it just woke me up. You know, I just thought, oh, this is not, this is not love. Like, this isn't, this isn't Jesus. This isn't what I was raised in. This isn't helpful. And I, um, and I never went back. I just burst into tears. I thought, oh, why am I here? <laughs> But it, it was such a normal church, you know, and it was actually a really sweet space. And, and for me, I think um, I then got sort of spun on this journey of, well, what is love? What is Jesus? What is freedom? What, is, um, what does it look like to be really faithful? Um, but not in, that, not in a tight, clasped way, but actually in an open-handed way of um, God working through our lives. And, um, and yeah, I, I have really found in the... In, yeah, probably the past particularly five years of my life. I went to Laidlaw, was, I was 17, so I was sort of first year out of school, and Tim and I didn't know each other all that well, but we both went to Laidlaw that year, and we lived close together, so we're like, oh, we might as well carpool. So <laughs> that's sort of, sort of where, where um, our friendship really started. But, um, yeah, we went there, and, and I just feel like over the past five years, it's been particularly with Tim, actually, and, and with so many other people in my life, just a really fun journey of thinking, okay, we don't need to take this all too seriously, um, but but what is God doing, and is God speaking, and what does it look like to live a life of love? And, um, yeah, I guess if I do my... So the thing that, yeah, makes me really mad is when prison becomes... Uh, when Sorry, when faith becomes like a prison, a thing that traps us, a thing that makes us feel like we're not enough or um, others aren't enough, and I just... Oh, it, it makes my blood boil, actually. <laughs> like, it's like, why... Like, how did we get there? It just doesn't make sense to me. And, and the thing that makes me sad is when church is just a thing in a building. It's just this, and we feel like that is enough, and it's not part that permeates our, our whole existence. Um, but, yeah, something that makes me so glad is open-heartedness, a lightness that we can live with, um, a freedom, and knowing that we're loved, and just the, the beautiful things that come from that. It just makes me really happy. Thank you, Zoe. Yeah, and I guess to summarise... Our journey, of course, these are just a few books pulled from the shelf. Um, our story together, I think, has been our commonalities are a curiosity and a courage. And I think, uh, I can't remember exactly in scripture. Oh, it's us and Matt Butler. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's us and Matt Butler. Oh, let's, let's leave it up there. It's a beautiful photo. Um, for us, we, 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 we've tried to just 
um, be curious and follow follow where that leads us and to have courage uh, in our journey within that. But And for me, a lot of that comes scripturally where I believe it's Paul talks about childlike faith. And I remember um, learning that childlike faith is very different to childish faith. Uh, childish faith can be uh, a product of just ignorance and blinders and not wanting to see and just just uh, overly simplistic clenched fistness. But I remember hearing once that childlike faith is why, why, why? That annoying <laughs> child, like, keep asking God, what are you doing? What are you wanting to do more? And for us, I think that's our big pursuit, actually, that God always has a little bit more for us. And I wish he had a map, but so much more it's just like, he gives us a compass, and maybe if we're lucky, a flashlight just at the next step, what, what that next step is. So for us, what we would love to maybe bring to this community, knowing that each and every one of us in this room has something or a story or a, to share in this place for us as a couple and individuals, I think we'd really love to bring a sense of curiosity and courage to create spaces in which each and every one of us can listen to the still small voice of God and see where that leads us individually. And with that said, I would really love, um, Zoe's going to lead the communion liturgy. I was thinking about this morning as we take communion. I was thinking, we've already done this. We've already had communion together, not just last week, but we've been having communion with one another for the past 2,000 years. We've been having communion today with millions of people across the world who are all sharing in this bigger picture of what church means, that when we look at the body and blood of Christ, it reminds us that we are the body of Christ that actually the church across the world is the living, breathing, moving Christ in our world today. So I was really comforted by that. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.